You're listening to Well Glaxis, the podcast that helps you put your wellness first. Learn how Black women like you are putting their wellness first in their lives and striving mentally, emotionally, financially, and physically every day. I'm your host, Marilyn Painter, which you can call me Mel. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Glaxis podcast. I have a really exciting episode today. Laura, welcome to the Well Black Sis podcast. Um, it's really great, really great to have you. So, and here we are. So, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad that it finally worked out. I sure did. So, I want to start with uh, you telling me a little bit about yourself and what led you to marriage coaching. Well, I am Laura Gathers. I am the founder of Love Heart of Marriage Coaching. I'm also an author and speaker. Um, motivational speaker more so. I talk on the topics of marriage and just empowerment, going after your dreams, goals, and aspirations. Here at Love Harder, I equip couples with the tools they need, emphasis on they need, so their relationships can succeed. I believe that each relationship is different, and though you can apply some of the same tools, how you apply them matter. I also enjoy all things marriage. I really do. I Not all things wedding, not to be confused with wedding, but all things marriage. I think that it's beautiful that we get to leave such a legacy of love and hope and family for future generations. Why did I start marriage coaching? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I sort of fell into marriage coaching. Okay. Didn't go to school for coaching or counseling or any of that. <laughs> I had some friends who were married and they were going through some difficult times and they did not want to go to counseling. And so they presented their issues to me like I had a counseling background. Nevertheless, being the problem solver that I strive to be, I strive to be, I came up with this marriage obstacle course. And what you had to do was go through these three obstacles that worked on teamwork, communication, and trust. And if you couldn't make it through the obstacle course, then you had to admit that you had a a problem in that area, which led to more conversation. And some people got counseling eventually. And then some people just started working together to get over those hurdles. And I would like to say about 85% of those couples who, yeah, about 85% of those couples who initially attended that first workshop or that first event are still together. So it worked. Wow. So I think that I think we could call that divine intervention somehow that yes, you, you were led, you were actually led into this. I love it. Why are you so convinced that marriages are worth, uh, worth fighting for? Sorry. Let's let's also talk about what I mean when I say your marriage is worth fighting for. I believe because I think that this foundational thing has to be there. I believe that each couple has a mission. Uh, I like to call it a marital mission that they are called together to accomplish. And I believe like with anything that you are working with someone with, there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be things that come your way that try and break you apart. And I don't think marriage is any different. So what I'm telling couples to do is to keep that mission at the forefront of your mind and to fight for that. I'm not saying fight for your spouse's love. I'm not saying fight for your spouse's approval. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is 
when you first come together, establish why are we together? What are we trying to accomplish? And when those hard times do come, because they will come because we're human beings, remember that your marriage, that mission is worth fighting for. I like that. It's it's a little bit different from what I initially thought when um, you were coming on your podcast. I was like, "Hmm, this is kind of weird because I'm a I don't know if I could call myself a non-believer in marriage. I just never saw myself because I, I didn't grow up with really great examples of marriage because my parents weren't married. And I was thinking to myself, I, I have not seen this work with with a lot of people. I do have a best friend, though, whose marriage seems to be working, which is very well. So she's a great example. Thank God I have that. And there are other people, too. But just personally, I'm okay with... Um, I'm not necessarily necessarily tied to the legal entity in terms of you know that belief, but I do believe people can work things out in a relationship that even without that legal entity of it, it becomes a marriage of two people. So yeah, you will become intertwined um, no matter whether you walk down the aisle or not. And I, I I like that you pointed out the reason why you don't feel like First, I don't think marriage is a goal. I think a lot of people think that once you reach marriage, then you've accomplished something great. I think marriage is beautiful. I Mm -hmm. think that marriage um, can bring out some beautiful things inside of you. And I believe that marriage can leave a beautiful legacy if done in a healthy way for future generations. But I don't think once you get married that you've obtained this certain level of life. Like marriage Mm -hmm. shouldn't be the goal. I think that you should be content no matter where you are in life. I think that you should be striving to become a better version of yourself, no matter what relationship you find yourself in. And I think a lot of times we put marriage up there like, oh, once I get married, I've achieved something Mm -hmm. like it's a PhD or something like that. It's (laughs) not. (laughs) Marriage is, marriage requires a lot of intentionality. Marriage requires a lot of dying of yourself daily because you are having to come into a relationship with someone else who grew up differently and who has different ambitions and goals and ways of doing things. But much like you, I didn't grow up. My parents were not married. And so I didn't grow up in a home where I where marriage was something that I was going after. I've always I've always believed that. I would get married to the right person, but they had Mm -hmm. to be the right person for me. Um, I didn't want marriage just because, like I said, it was something that you achieve in life. That's a a nice view. You know, we often talk um, very widely about how widely different men and women are. Like, But, you know, we do have to get along. We live in this world alongside each other. We have to thrive alongside each other. What are your recommendations for dealing with the venus um versus mars rhetoric because of this wild difference see the beauty and differences just like we do everywhere else we are (laughs) i mean no matter whether i'm with some of my best friends Mm -hmm. who are who are females they view life differently than i do none of us are going to go through and have the exact same experiences nor outlook on life but i think what we do is we get caught up in the differences Versus seeing the beauty in the differences. For example, my husband is a computer scientist, a software engineer. He is very Mm -hmm. strategic in all that he does. Now, does that mean that it's going to take him hours to figure out or months to figure out which vacuum cleaner we're going to get? Probably because he's 
going to go and look and see all of the reviews. He's going to see which one is going to best fit the carpet that we have in our house. He's going to do all those things that are annoying to me simply because I'm like, come on, dude, just pick a vacuum. But what I've learned over time is when he picks something, it normally lasts a long time. So now I began to see the beauty in the way that he thinks versus it being an annoyance. And I think that's what we have to start to do is sit back and see the beauty in who this person is and how they bring a difference into our life and come to appreciate that because that is something that is a skill set that you probably are weak in. Mm, never really thought of that. Well, I guess if you think of it long enough, it is a particular skill set that you have to work on yes. um, in, a, in, a, in a relationship. What have you been seeing out there in terms of like interpersonal relationships between couples that you deal with? Like, like what's like the major, is there like a major thing that couples are not working on? And this is that you can say, this is the reason why I think, you know, a lot of marriages are failing or people are trying hard enough. I think that people don't utilize the tools that they've been given. I think they'll utilize them for a little bit mm-hmm. and then they'll see progression and then they forget to continue to utilize them. Once the regression happens, I also see that people aren't having conversations. I think a lot of things um, stem from uh, which, what word can I use? Just going to make this sound better than what I was about to say. (laughs) A lot of people have a lot of assumptions. (laughs) They make a lot of assumptions without getting, without asking clarifying questions. So in actuality, they've, they've, thought things that weren't necessarily true. And because they thought those things, their actions align with their thoughts and that's creating friction versus asking those clarifying questions to gain more understanding and to practice empathy. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have to agree with you to see things from your perspective. And I think a lot of couples don't do that because we are so emotional and we want things to go our way that we are forfeiting opportunities to be able to go into our spouse's world and see things from their perspective and then problem solve together. So you're saying communication is huge. Communication is not just huge. It's necessary. (laughs) It's necessary in any healthy relationship, you have to learn how to communicate and not just communicate, but communicate effectively, understanding the the power in listening, understanding the power in practicing empathy, understanding the power in asking clarifying questions. But a lot of people don't have those skill sets or they aren't as good as they think they are. Right. And so when you think that something is a strength of yours, when it's actually a weakness, it will come to the demise of your relationship. Mm. You have to have a healthy assessment of where you are. Absolutely. So I've often met people in like dating relationships that never knew what a love language is and never addressed or have spoken about it with their love interests. How important is speaking your partner's love language? Love languages are ruining marriages. Um, (laughs) I feel like people are idolizing their love language that's what I feel I feel like if you aren't loving me according to this love language that I just found out five minutes ago then you don't love me and so that person can be doing everything that they know how to do to show love and Mm -hmm. you're overlooking it because it's not your love language 
You're overlooking them being patient and kind and you overlooking them showing forgiveness and doing the little things that they do every single day to try and make your life better because they're missing your love language. Sometimes you haven't even communicated what that love language is. You expect them to figure it out on their own. But then once you do communicate it, you expect them to be able to practice it immediately. And that's just not real. Love languages are met for you to understand how you receive love. Right. And if you are so consumed with your love language, then guess what? If you're pouring into yourself the way that you receive love, then that expectation for your partner to do it will not be there. Anything that they add to it will be a bonus because you're already full. And now do I, am I saying that your spouse or your partner should never learn about your love language? Absolutely. But give them grace to grow in that. This is, that could be very new to them. It could be very mm. uncomfortable for them and they may fail at it for a very long time, but it doesn't mean that they're not working towards it. And what I hear the most that frustrates me, which I should have said the most <laughs> is when they were like, well, they're not loving me according to my love language. Well, your love language, sweetheart isn't the most important thing. I'm not saying that it's not important, but it's not the most important thing. Are you able to look and see how this person is intentionally trying to show affection, trying to show love, trying to make your life better? And if you can't see that because you're so fixated on your love language, then I feel sorry for you. Now, I think it's beautiful when couples are able to share their love language and they're able to both grow into showing love that way because, I mean, who doesn't want to be loved mm-hmm. in that way that they receive love? But your love language changes in seasons of life. It changes. It and so when you, you have to communicate those changes and sometimes you might not even recognize that it changed until, oh, wait a minute, I no longer feel what I once felt when they did that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think love language can be beautiful, but I think we need to make sure we're not idolizing them. I'm glad you brought that up because I, you know, just personally in my own life and my own walk, I I felt like I started out once needing one thing, but then I suddenly realized that I don't need that anymore. I just need this other thing. So, and you know, you walk through these five love languages, like just dependent. And I think it, I think a lot of what you're saying is that life is a moving target and you have to move with it. You know, I always remember, um, what is his name? Pastor, what's his name at the ball head from Texas? T.D. Jakes? T.D. Jakes. Mm-hmm. He, he has a book. He had a book about men and he talked about being able to move, like, like if you're riding a motorcycle and being able to move with your partner. And I always thought it was a great analogy for people in relationships whether you're in a marriage or you're dating or whatever you have to be able when those curves come you have to be able to bend to the side and take those corners with the person that you're riding with and I really think you know a lot of what I'm hearing from you is that like there's communication but there's also you have to be paying attention being asking the right questions you have to keep it's it's always a moving target Um, we haven't even brought in this stuff of trauma and grief that right. people come into relationships with, you know, um, and you have to bear the, the burden and the patience and the whatever it is to, to, to ensure, give of self, I guess, or be selfless in order to be able to move with that person in that season of their life. 
because things will change. Things will always change. What about marriages where people seem to have outgrown each other? Like when communication seems to be dead or like one person is not really hearing what the other is asking for or has been asking for for a number of years. You know, when is enough enough? I think that's up to that individual couple. You know, I try my hardest never to tell someone to go into a relationship or to leave one. Mm-hmm. I think you have to know that for yourself. The only thing I advise is if you're in an abusive, repetitive, adulterous relationship or anything that's going to cause you harm physically, emotionally, then you need to get somewhere safe and decide if that is something that you want to be a part of. That's it. That's the only advice that I give to people because I've known people who were in those situations for years and now they're living the best, they're having the best years of their relationship. Mm -hmm. And then I know some people who are miserable because they stayed, you know, Mm -hmm. and every day they're kicking themselves and they're looking for an exit. So I think you have to know what's best for your relationship. And I don't think any individual can give you that answer. Do you recommend premarital counseling for everyone? And yes, if you do, why? <laughs> I do hands down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend premarital counseling because you have someone else asking questions that you may not even think to ask before you say, I do. Mm. You learn so much. If you are in the right counseling environment, if this person is really skilled at what they do, you learn things that you would have never thought to even ask about. That's mm. why I think it's vital. Because then you get to see from someone else's perspective, someone else is asking the question and you get to be hopefully a good listener and be like, hmm, is this something that I really, do that, Do our values align? Is mm-hmm. this something that I'm in agreement with? Is marriage really the next step for us right now? But I think when you, you only know what you know. Right. But when Correct. you have someone else who may know a little bit more than you or, or who has been educated to ask these questions and to inquire into these things, I think you gain so much more insight. Yep. I don't know. I just, I have all these weird thoughts, but just talking to you is kind of like opening up a little door for me to see a little more. I feel like I'm in the marriage counseling session right now. You're good. Thank you. So I noticed from your social media that you box. Do you yes. all do you also use boxing as a technique with your couples? And how does that work? So I think it it's super interesting. Favorite, hands down, my favorite thing to do with couples is I take them through five rounds of conflict resolution. Each round has a different boxing technique that we learn. And so wow. what it does is it engages the couples, especially the husbands. And it allows you to remember when you throw in a jab, you're saying my spouse is my teammate, not my opponent. It gives you something to connect wow. with. And How so did you come up with that? I can't say that it was me. That was divine intervention. When oh. I wrote my first um, devotional, uh, I used a lot of boxing techniques and long story short, um, I had got to the point where I was about to publish it <clears throat> and I gave it over to my husband. And I was like, hey, I want you to look through it before I go to the next level. He told me to start over, crush my heart. Now, this is after I had 20 some reviews and everybody's telling me it's great to move forward. Right. And I give it to my husband. He says, start over. 
And um, yeah, that's that part where people are different. <laughs> right. and, but because I trust him with my mm-hmm. life, I knew that he wouldn't tell me to do something he didn't know that I, he, he didn't believe I was capable of doing. So I started over. So the workshop came from all of the content that I pulled out of that devotional. Oh, wow. That, let me tell you, I saw that and I was like, does she really do this? This must yes. be so engaging for couples. Because I really is. think like talk therapy might be a little boring. Because nobody, you know, like sometimes, and it depends on the couple too. Some couples might walk through it, but some couples might be thinking, this is so boring. But when you actually give them something and something that they can enjoy, they can also learn from it, exercise with it. You know, yes. it's, it's an excuse to exercise too. <laughs> like, this is brilliant. Like, I Thank love it. You. Thank you. I, I it want is a session. One of my most requested. It's one of my ro- most requested, and you don't have to be married to attend my workshops. You just have to be seriously dating, engaged, or married. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have one that I'm coming up with that is for singles, and it's called So You Want to Step into the Ring. And so it's for those who desire um, to step into healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I take you through once again, some concepts, some techniques to help you understand the importance of having the right team around you so that when you're stepping into a relationship, you're stepping into it in a healthy way um, and not an unhealthy way. So yeah, as you can tell, I'm a bit of a tomboy. (laughs) That's okay. Cause I'm right in there. I'm right in there with you. So I love sports and playing sports. And so I love that I get to be who I am and what I do. I just love the fact that you're able to marry these two seemingly opposing things. There's coaching, but coaching in a different way with a physical activity that that is involved. I think it's so brilliant. Have you done a TED Talk yet? No, I haven't. (laughs) Okay, we got to work on that. We got to get you out there. Because this Thank is you. this is this stuff that TED Talks are made from, you know what I mean? This I love <laughs> it. You. I love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh have you encountered any personal experiences where you couldn't practice what you preached to, to clients in your own relationship? So fortunately, fortunately for me, mm-hmm. I didn't start doing this until later on in our marriage, where we were on a healthy path. And I think that that is vital because before I had unrealistic and uncommunicated expectations, borderline manipulative because I wanted things to go my way when I Mm -hmm. wanted them to go. And then I'm (laughs) mad if they don't go my way. Um, And so if I had started coaching in that season, I could see where I would be a big hypocrite. Just being Mm. honest. But I do my best to, for one, not focus on my relationship. Unless it is really something that I have went through. If I can lend you a real life experience about how I had to grow and develop, then I will. But if not, I stick to the tips and the tools that I think could help you get through that Mm -hmm. season. I do not believe in in just um, saying things if I don't believe that they could actually work or if I haven't practiced them to see how they could possibly work. Because once I said, like I said, everyone's relationship is different. I could give you a hammer and I'll take a hammer. You might use that hammer to nail something down. I might use that hammer to pull something up, but we both still have the hammer. Mm -hmm. And so what I really try and emphasize is the importance of, of learning how to deal with conflict in a healthy way, 
learning how to communicate in a healthy way, understanding the mission that you and your partner are called to accomplish, and then helping you navigate through that and reach the goals that you have set for your relationship. Because what I never want to do is to make it seem like, because I did it, you can do it. Because that's not true. You're not married to who I am, who I'm married to. You don't have the same personality nor temperament that I have. My husband said something to me a while back. He was like, if you and I weren't good people, like at the core where we didn't try and hurt one another, our marriage could have been really ugly at the beginning. And he's right. The Mm -hmm. fact that we just didn't, we're not those vindictive, mean Mm -hmm. type of people saved our marriage. Mm -hmm. But everyone's not like that. (laughs) right you know a lot of a lot of what I see and hear about in relationships has a lot to do with ego because a lot of people yes really can't pull ego back um Mm -hmm. and they can't allow themselves to be vulnerable and I think that's very very important when you're in any relationship um even you know regular interpersonal relationships like friendships and stuff like that you have to pull ego back because once ego get in there, pretty much you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit more where anybody can find you. If there are people who are listening right now and need some counseling, where can they find you and get some of this good stuff that you have pouring out? Because we got to get everybody onto this. <laughs> so <clears throat> I do do marriage coaching, which is different than counseling. Counseling slash therapy is there to help you deal with those traumas and those triggers. I am there. I am here as a coach to help you get, take your relationship from one level to the next to help you accomplish the goals that you have set for your relationship. If you're dealing with adultery, if you're dealing with abuse, I heavily recommend that you find a licensed therapist because they will have the skill sets to help you navigate through that season in a healthy way and a safe way for you. But if you're saying, hey, I need to up my communication or conflict resolution game. I'm your girl. You can find me on social media, on Instagram at Love Heart of Marriage Coaching, Facebook, Love Heart of Marriage Coaching. And my website is lauragathers.com. And finally, Laura. At Well Black Sis, we encourage people to wear wellness as their style statement. What's your wellness style? Like, what's your go-to stress reliever at the end of a long day for balancing love and life and motherhood, wifehood? (laughs) Everything good. (laughs) Exercising. Exercising is what does it for me. Um, Whether it's lifting weights, whether it's hitting the boxing bag, whether it's hopping on a cycle or going for a long walk. Moving my body helps to calm my mind helps me to relax and helps me to get in the space where I'm able to be who I was created to be. Okay. We love it. Mm-hmm. We love it. The next time we have a hike, I'll be sure to invite <laughs> you so we can go. You're in Virginia, I, I love right? a good hike. Yes. I'm in, um, in Northern Virginia. Virginia. Yes. Northern Virginia. Okay. So I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Please do. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was great. I have to unpack so much from this. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Well Black Sis. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other women striving to be well to find the show. If you want to hear more from our community, 
You can follow on Instagram at WellBlackSis and check out the website at WellBlackSis.com to find out what exciting meetup we have next. You can also sign up for the WellBlackSis newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on future WellBlackSis updates. Talk to you soon.